Hi, and welcome to Small Business Success with Steve Strauss. I'm Steve Strauss, small business columnist for USA Today, author of the Small Business Bible, and host of the website, theselfemployed.com. Are you looking for small business success? Well, what are we waiting for? Let's get started. As always, this week's show is brought to you by our friends at Greatland, the W-2 and 1099 tax specialists. It's tax season, and our friends at Greatland have a great offer for us. You can save 15% on any W-2 or 1099 filing product right now if you use the code V12 at checkout. So go to greatland.com, use the code V12, get 15% off. Welcome back to the show, everybody, and happy holidays. I hope this holiday season is treating you well. And uh, as we end up the year and start heading into the new year, people are thinking about, you know, changes they're going to make in their life. And one of the things many people think about is starting a business or growing their business. And in today's show, we're going to tell you how to do it. We have a great interview lined up with uh, my friend Jim Beach, who uh, is the host of School for Startups Radio and a website by the same name. And we're going to talk about his <laughs> the School for Startups. Uh, and I am going to share the story of a uh, business you know about with a very eccentric owner. Stick around. We'll be right back. So as uh, listeners to the show know, we have a new segment that we are calling Startup Stories. What's great about these stories is that uh, you find out the story before the story. With all uh, due respect to Paul Harvey, we'll find out the rest of the story. And then today, uh, we're going to be talking about a gentleman by the name of Bertrand Shavitz. Now, Bertrand (laughs) prefers to be left alone. For 15 years, he had no phone, no electricity, no running water. The septuagenarian co-founded a healthcare company, but he dwells in a tiny little cabin in remote Maine, just as he did in the 1980s before he rang up a fortune for the brand. Now, even today, he foregoes such creature comforts as a washing machine or TV. He says, I get four channels, spring, summer, winter, and fall, out the window every year. I see eagles, I see hawks, I see crows, and I howl with the coyotes. Now, this is what he told Flair.com in an interview that they recently did with him because he is a hard man to find, hard man to interview, hard guy to pin down. Now, long before natural became a consumer craze and a uh, you know marketing buzz- buzzword, Shavitz pioneered the niche. Yet he is, even though he is the beauty industry's maybe kookiest personality, he really remains a very media shy mystery, known only by just uh, his abundantly bearded, logoed face that peers out from his company packaging. Now, according to filmmaker Jody Shapiro, who recently did a um, movie about Shavitz, he said, I thought that probably like everyone else, uh, he must be loaded with a lot of money. Little did I know that it's almost the exact opposite. And then I started hearing stories about him, that he's a recluse, that he wants to be alone, that he rambles for hours on end, that he hates journalists, that he hates PR. But the cautionary tale only heightened the curiosity of Jody. After he and Shavitz bonded over a love of vintage motorcycles, the subject relaxed a little and uh, Shavitz pulled out a damaged, just-covered cardboard box. It was something that 
very few people knew he had. His longtime caretaker didn't even know he had it. And inside was an impressive catch of photographs that Shavitz had taken uh, of New York in the 60s and 70s when he was a young photojournalist, a job that he had pursued after serving two years in the Army. He had taken pictures of Malcolm X and Allen Ginsberg. He had taken a picture of the Statue of Liberty emerging from a garbage pile. Had it published in Life magazine and turned out it created a kind of eco-consciousness consciousness craze. So Shavis is puzzled to find that someone really is very keen on chronicling his life uh, in this piece. You know, it's a little beyond my comprehension, he says, why all the big deal over the fact that I just am who I am and I've always been this way and this is who I've always wanted to be. So on most days when he's not attending to his beloved golden retrievers, uh, what's he do? He, sp- <laughs> he spends his days laying out birdseed or staring at the sky. He has lived off the grid since the 1970s when he abandoned the hustle and bustle of New York, packed a mattress onto a Volkswagen, dropped out of society, and decided to camp in upstate New York. Here's what he says. What happened was that the magazine business died, and so my career kind of did too. Television came in, and because television was instant, most Americans wanted instant. And so there was nothing left for New York for me or anywhere, so I moved on. He worked odd jobs, and one day, while going to collect some firewood, he encountered a buzzing swarm of bees. When I saw those bees in that fence post, I said, that's got to be an act of God. It was like a minor miracle. He had already met a beekeeper the year before, and the beekeeper had had an empty hive. So he sought help from the beekeeper, who is his guru, he says, and he scooped up the insects with his bare hands, put them into the hive, and he thought, man, I could do this. And so Shavitz became a beekeeper. Over time, he became the go-to guy in this little main town uh, for taking care of bees. Soon he had amassed 26 hives, a source of valuable honey, beeswax, pollen, and all sorts of other byproducts. Shavitz probably could have lived this way for many years in happy anonymity, but serendipity had other plans. One day in 1984, he gave a ride to a hitchhiker, an anti-capitalist artist, waitress, single mom who also lived off the grid by the name of Roxanne Quimby. Says Roxanne, he fascinated me because he was, <laughs> he was such a freak. I was very attracted to the oddballs of the world and I always have been. So that was the start of a decades-long romance. And while Shavitz was the face of the company that they would create, Quimby is also and often credited as being the business brains. She switched the honey into small petrified jars. Why? More cash for less product. And began to hand make beeswax candles. Both were hit at craft fairs, and the latter caught the eye of a New York shop called Zona, which ordered candles by the hundreds. So did they create a candle empire? No, they did not. Using beeswax recipes from the 19th century, Quimby whipped up shoe polish, stove polish, and the blockbuster that would turn the company into the personal care bigwig that it would become, lip balm. It's the same thing as furniture polish, she says. It's just peppermint instead of lavender. By the early 90s, they had created a hodgepodge enterprise making everything from stovetop brewed perfumes to dog bones, and they end up with $3 million in sales. Not bad. Quimby seemed to relish steering the ship, but Shavitz, eh, it was altogether a little too corporate for him. Not long after, they decided to move the company to North Carolina to some big new digs, and not surprisingly, Shavitz wasn't very happy. In 1999, they decided that they had to split the business and Quimby bought out Shavitz for his share of the company uh, for the cost of a house, just $130,000. The business, well, it stayed on a roll. By 2003, revenues climbed to $60 million. Quimby 
At this point, decided maybe it was time to sell. She found a suitor in the private equity firm AEA Investors, which snapped up 80% of the stake in the company for $150 million. And then, to the surprise of some, the firm turned around and sold the Eco Beauty brand in 2007 to a conglomerate called the Clorox Corporation. For how much? $925 million. And Bertrand Shavitz, Bert of Bert's Bees, eventually he got $4 million. Now, these days, Shavitz is still contracted to do the occasional promotional work for the brand. Uh, he tours around the country. He does it in his t-shirt and khakis. Uh, mostly, nobody knows who he is, except if he goes to Taiwan, where he is, for whatever reason, a rock star. Is he sad that uh, he ended up with, quote-unquote, only $4 million out of a company that was sold for almost a billion? Not at all. I've always had enough, he says. I've never starved to death. And I never went without a meal. I served in the army and went to Germany and slept in snowbanks. I walked 100 miles in a day carrying an 80-pound pack. That is what I needed. That's all I need. My beekeeping produced enough cash so that I could maintain my vehicles and pay my taxes. What else do I need? Nothing. No wife, no children, no TV, no washing machine. All the pins in my life just fell into place. That and a little company named Burt's Bees. And that is their startup story. Small Business Success is brought to you by Greatland, the W-2 and 1099 tax specialist. Go to greatland.com to learn more. So welcome back. And uh, we've been talking about startups today. Always a fun subject. We shared a great little story about Burt's Bees, huh? <laughs> Who knew Burt was such a uh, eccentric person? And... Um, I am really happy to have a, a friend of mine with us on the show today to talk about startups because really no one knows better uh, the world of startups than Jim Beach. Jim hosts a radio show called School for Startups, a website by the same name. And uh, J- well, Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. I appreciate it. So tell us about, uh, you know, how did start School for Startups start up? Where'd you get the idea? And when did you begin it? Well, I guess I have to go back to 2001. I sold a business with 700 employees, and I was sitting around retired and bored, and a big downtown university called and said, would I like to teach international entrepreneurship? I said, that would be a great idea. And I started teaching the class, and the the textbook was maybe 20 years old and was talking about counter trade in the 1950s. (laughs) And I was like, this isn't going to work. And so I was like, let's just start a business. And I, you know, my, you know, how my big mouth will get me into trouble, Steve. Uh, I you're said, like me. Uh, yes, I- <laughs> exactly. I said, this entrepreneurship is not really that hard. And, you know, you should be able to start a business. And my class made me a bet that I could start a business that semester, get it 100% cash flow positive, repay all the startup capital. And they got to choose the country and the industry that I would have to start the business in. Well, this was right after 9-11, and they thought it was funny. Uh, so they selected Pakistan and furniture, and I had three months to build a successful Pakistani furniture company. Get out. Well, I, I won the bet 12 times in a row, and a reporter in town was talking to me, and he was like, that's an amazing story, Jim. We should write a book about it. And I said, Steve, I'm sorry, I said, not Steve, his name, David. I said, David, 
if you find a publisher, I'll write the book. I'll make you a bet. Well, he called back a week later and said, McGraw-Hill wants to write a book. And I said, oh, well. So I sat down and wrote the book, and it's still selling really, really well. And out promoting that, you know how we have to go out and promote all of our books? We do. A lot of people said, wow, you, you're really passionate about this. Maybe you should talk about this on your own radio show. And eventually one was offered. And now I do it six days a week. And the show is uh, growing exponentially from what I take it, right? It has. We've been really lucky. We started off on a libertarian network that uh, a guy here in town, he invented gutter guards. So if any of you do not have leaves in your gutter, you owe him thanks. <laughs> and in his second job, he decided to start an internet radio station, a good friend of mine, and asked, you know, he knew I was already doing one on another network. And so I switched over to him. And, you know, libertarianism right now, free market capital ideas are certainly very popular. I do a apolitical show. I don't talk about politics at all. I just talk about startups and things like that. So the, the network has grown, and I was just incredibly lucky to be there from day, like, two. And now I've added two other networks as well. And so you know how Sean Hannity says that he's on 400 networks around the country. Right. My goal, Steve, I guess, is to get on 10 internet stations around the world, and people can find me that way, I guess. So, School for Startups Radio. That's right. And you, so tell us a little bit about what you think uh, people do right and people do wrong when they start their business. Well, you know, I'm not even really as concerned about the people who do start a business, uh, Steve, as the ones who don't. You know, 60. I think, yeah, 62% of something of Americans wish that they were business owners, but they are not. And then we add the 10% that are, and we get to 72% that wish they were a, an entrepreneur. 62% right. desperately want to do it. And I think there's three myths that prevent people from doing it. If we were to walk down the street and ask 100 people, I think 99 would agree that entrepreneurs are creative people that take big risks doing things they are passionate about. <laughs> I would have to say that is the common uh, perception of entrepreneurs, and, I, and I'm, uh, I think you have a different perception, right? Well, you know, I, I agree with that definition, but that excludes a lot of people or prevents people who can start a business with zero risk and zero creativity and that they're not passionate about. My wife has a little Amazon business. She sells stuff on Amazon, not eBay, Amazon. So she buys in bulk from wholesalers and then retails through the Amazon distribution channel. She makes about $60,000 a year doing that. I promise you she was not the first person to do it. She read a book, Steve, on how to do it, so zero creativity. The only risk was the $500 initial startup inventory, which she then sold. So I don't really think that's very risky. If you have inventory that you can sell within three or four days, that's not risk to me. And I promise you, Steve, she's not passionate about this business. <laughs> but my entire family is very passionate about the money. You know, when my dog ate the Oriental rug that I sort of stole from my parents' house, right. and I had to get it repaired all of a sudden. It was like $4,000. That little business produced $4,000 for us in the emergency, right. Steve. Right. And so 
I don't think, I don't want people to sit on the sofa saying, God, I wish I had a job right now. Well, let me tell you, my wife created a $50,000 a year job. And by the way, she does it in six hours a month, six hours a month. She created that job by herself with zero risk, zero creativity. So I'm saying to the people on the sofa, there is absolutely no excuse. I don't care if your boy is about to go off to college and you're facing astronomical college expenses. I don't care if this is the wrong time. I don't care if you don't have an idea. I don't care if the only thing you're passionate about is bowling. We can still turn you into a successful entrepreneur. So I love that because, you know, so much of what we hear about when we talk about entrepreneurship is, you know, creating the the next big thing. And uh, the vast, vast, vast majority of people are just going to create a nice, small little business uh, for themselves, right? I run a website called The Self-Employed. Most most small businesses are, you know, the micro-businesses, right? Like your wife. Like, you know, my wife is starting a, an interior design business right now, right? She's going to be a little micro-business. And what I love about what you're saying is you don't even have to do it full-time. You don't have to quit your job. You don't have to take a huge risk. But you can even just start part-time and, uh, you know, dip your toes in the water, right? My wife still has a full-time job. This is amazing, Steve. Listen how smart I am. I married a wife with a condo in the Caymans, benefits, health insurance through a huge corporation, and uh, she's beautiful and sexy on top of that, and now she runs her own business. I'm a smart man. You married up for sure, Jim. I did. I did. I, I did really well. Yep. So, uh, you know, it doesn't take anything. The only thing it takes to be, you know, I'm not going to turn you into a millionaire. I'm going to turn you into a hundred thousand air. You know, as you said, I'm not doing the next big thing. I just want to show you how to run a successful dry cleaner. Uh, you know, whatever it takes to get you off the unemployed line into the happy production line and just out there taking care of your own destiny. That's all I care about. So if you were to give you know, someone who, who does want to start this, you know, as a, as a part-time venture. Um, I'm thinking of someone in my life who really would love to start a little, um, part-time business. I mean, what do you think the people who do it successfully share in common? You know, is it, is it the right idea? Is it really understanding the market? Is it not taking a big risk? I and mean, what, what, what are the, if you could say the common attributes do you think of people who are successful at this kind of, uh, hundred thousand dollar error? Right. Well, you know, if you go out there and talk to them, say you talk to a woman who makes, you know, 3,000 cheesecakes a year uh, and makes $300,000 a year, an amazing living making cheesecakes, you don't, you know, she didn't start off doing 2,000 a year and then jump to three. She started off doing two a year and she found out that that solved someone's problem. And there are people who can't make good cheesecake who want a delicious cheesecake when people come over for the holidays. And so all of our successful entrepreneurs are solving someone's problem. And, you know, don't be afraid to start small. The business that I sold with 700 employees started off its first year with $56,000 in revenue and in expenses. But you know what? It survived until year two. So uh, you know, don't be afraid to start incredibly small and build. But also, you know, there's no excuse. There's no acceptable excuse. One of the things I say is you should take your remote control and destroy it or tape it to the ceiling. Just get rid of it, you know, because we're not going to watch TV anymore. What, what are we going to do instead? 
listen to our radio show, Steve, and <laughs> get off the soap. And, and, you know, go find a problem. Just go find a problem. You know what? Uh, I have – let me ask you a personal question, Steve. You and I have known each other a while. Do you have any problems in your life? Uh, only a couple. Yeah. Do you know anyone with a problem? Of course. Well, then, therefore, you qualify. You know, and so that's what I say to anyone that I talk to, anyone on the street. Do you have a problem? Well, yeah, I do. Would you pay people to make some of your problems go away? Well, I do that all the time. I hate when my foot hurts, so I go to the foot doctor and I give him $100, and he gives me something to make my foot better and i hate to walk long distances so i went to this car place and i bought a car and they made that problem go away well we all have problems you know maybe my problem is i'm in the hospital and i'm lonely and no one will rub my knees and my knees hurt because they've been in a bed for two weeks you know what's how much risk does it take to call up the local hospital steve and say i'd like to do a massage business just wander up and down the halls and see if anyone will pay me for a massage. You know, I mean, someone will say yes to a stupid, crazy idea like that, and you're off and running for no risk, no creativity. Go. Go. You know, uh, I have a recent, I have a new book out uh, these days called Planet Entrepreneur, right? We look at. Uh, yes. Uh, you talked about it on my on show. Your, on yes. your show. That's right. So I bought idea, a copy. Thank you very much. You know, we look at entrepreneurship all over the world, and, you know, the, the thing I love about looking at entrepreneurs is that. Um, you know, it is about it is about solving problems, as you just said. It is about fixing things and making things better. There's lots of negative forces in the world, and uh, you know, small business startups, uh, entrepreneurship. One of the few things out there that actually looks to make things better and create connections rather than, uh, you know, rather than the opposite. So, you know, what you're doing is is great. If people want to find you, Jim, where where would they go? Uh, schoolforstartupsradio.com is the daily radio show and then School for Startups on Amazon buy the book and schoolforstartups.com for uh, everything yeah that's you know if you buy the book at the back there's a code that gets you into our learning center which is schoolforstartups.com and my partner Chris Hanks who is the head of the entrepreneurship department at the University of Georgia we put up about 80 hours of videos on every topic that we can think of and it's all filtered through our low risk low creativity zero passion approach you know so does that affect marketing it does and so here's our view on marketing if you don't have any money and well how do you you know everything that you can think of how do you get to employees to work for you if you don't have any money to give them you know so we filter all of the standard entrepreneurship questions through you know our uh, particular thesis fantastic love it jim thank you so much for being on the show appreciate it thanks for having me steve i appreciate it all right Our show is brought to you by our friends at Greatland, the W-2 and 1099 tax specialists. And right now, it is tax season. You can save 15% on any W-2 or 1099 product by going to greatland.com and using the code V12 at checkout. So save 15%, go to greatland.com and use the code V12. You'll save money and you'll get your taxes done. And that is this week's show. Thanks for stopping by. And stop by again next week for some more small business success. I'm Steve Strauss, and you can always visit me at theselfemployed.com.